The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz, and with me on the program is Scott Wall. He's a state minister with the Capital Commission of Texas, and we are so glad that he's with us tonight on the program, uh, Engaging Truth. Scott, welcome to the program. It is a great honor to be here. Thank you for having me, Matt. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, but first question, uh, what in the world is the Capital Commission, and what does the state minister do? Those are great questions, and, and it's actually kind of hard for me to fully answer because uh, my job is, is kind of a, a wide uh, spectrum as far as what I do. But officially, we have a, a ministry that's national. It's called Capital Commission. They place a state minister in each of the state capitals, and so I'm the state minister for Capital Commission in Texas. So my focus is the capital uh, in Texas, which is the building, our, our, our title, Capital Commission, is C-A-P-I-T-O-L, and it's the O that makes it the building. The A is Austin. The O is the building, and so our Capital Commission, we focus on all the people at the, in the Capitol. That's mostly the legislators, the elected officials that are there, their staffs, as well as the people that, that work there at the Capitol and uh, the lobbyists and anybody that enters in, in there. So basically, I'm a pastor. In fact, I just pulled up on my my, my uh, computer here. I'm going to be praying to kind of kick off one of our state uh, senators uh, is having her campaign. She's being her campaign today. It's kind of a kickoff, and she's asked me to pray to to kick off. She says she wants to focus on God and country, and God comes first. And you know, please, please pray. And so we're going to be doing that here in just a couple hours. But she says um, uh, in the intro, just look at how she introed me. Uh, she's been there for. 30-something years, so she's been a lot, a lot longer than me, but she says, uh, we, we'll begin with prayer with my friend, Pastor Scott Wall, State Minister, Capital Commission, Texas. In effect, he's the pastor for the Texas legislature and conducts their weekly bipartisan Bible studies classes and many other things which centers that we um, attend. So they they consider me basically a pastor to the Capitol. It's kind of a missionary to the Capitol, pastor to the Capitol, and I'm there for all of them. Yeah, well, talk to me about why this work is so important. Why, why do people who work in state government need someone to, to, to pastor them and, and care for them? Don't they have their own home congregations for that? That's a fantastic question as well. Yeah, and if you talk to each of the legislators, uh, they would be able to answer this question uh, quite easily as well. Uh, first of all, uh, most of the legislators, in, especially in the state of Texas, do not live in and around Austin, and so they have to travel there. They go there uh, during session. They're there all week long. It's early mornings, late nights, sometimes two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning kind of things with committees. They have uh, events they got to go to, but they're away from their families, away from their congregations, away from their support groups. And there is a, a ton of, um, I, I guess you'd say, things that uh, buy for their attention, uh, temptations and other things that are there at the Capitol as well. And so um, I, my my role, I think, is to be that spiritual guide, I guess, or spiritual 
resource for them while they're away from the, those, their family and, and those uh, resources they have, have at home. Plus, it's a, it's a different kind of environment that it's hard to explain unless you're part of it. It's like many groups. I mean, if you're in the Marines, it's hard to tell everybody else what it's like to be a Marine. It's hard to explain that, but I'm there 24-7 with them, and so I, they understand that I understand that they understand. We, we were in this together, and uh, so it's, I think it's important to have somebody that can come alongside in those difficult times, those challenging times, and be able to lean on them and trust them. And, and trust is, the is you know, that's that's one of those uh, very valuable commodities in the political world, and so that's a big role is being able to offer them that they can trust me and, and to provide that trust. So what are some of the things that those who are living and working in the capital are, are struggling with, are, are dealing with, that, that they might need pastoral care or assistance for, that, that those of us who, who, who don't work in government or aren't involved in politics might not understand or know about? Yeah. yeah, well, first, they are human beings just like you and me. They have the same kinds of struggles in, in some ways, only they're elevated in a lot of ways. They have, you know, they have problems with the kids, they have some financial problems, they have marriage problems, they have, you know, typical everyday problems that many people have. They are exasperated a little bit in that they're in the political limelight that everyone wants to know every detail about their life. Uh, people, it seems like for them, about half the world is telling them that they're the most wonderful person in the entire world because they want something from them. So they will build them up and tell them all these wonderful things and give them things and then the other half of the world hates them and thinks that they're terrible, whoever they are, whatever, wherever they are on the spectrum. And I, 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 my goal is try to hit reality as much as possible and try to help them realize that neither one of those are true. And then to help them with things within their own districts uh, that they're dealing with, if there's a shooting in a district, if there's a hurricane in a district, or if there's illness, or if there's a death in the family. I've done funerals. I've done weddings. Um if there uh, is marriage problems, financial problems, legal problems, I went to uh, trials uh, for some of our legislators who end up going through trials, actual trials. Um, there's many, many things that they're, they're facing that they are looking for somebody who can come alongside, loves them, cares for them, cares for their families, and can offer some biblical uh, counsel and some hopefully um, practical ways to kind of deal with all those different issues that they face. So, so, so you're really not you're, you're not there to, to to lobby for Christian issues or or, or a particular Christian uh, agenda to be met in the in the legislation by the legislature itself. You're, you're really there just kind of as a, like a chaplain to care for these people, right? If I could get everybody who's listening, everybody to understand, that's exactly it. That's spot on. You you understand exactly my role, and they do too. And I have to make sure they understand that to build that trust. That we have 150 state representatives, we have 31 state senators, and then there's staffs and, and others, and there's Democrats, Republicans. Right now we don't have independents, uh, but they are the spectrum politically they're, uh, and religiously uh, and emotionally and socially. They're, they're the spectrum, and my goal is to be there for every single one of them. Um, and so I'm not there. It's not What I do is not I'm not part of the religious right or religious left or trying mm. to lobby for a particular political view or in, in try to get them to change their vote on anything. My goal is to let them see God and God affect their hearts, whatever that is. And, and that's up to God, how God wants to do that. What I do is not, it's not watered down though. I, I do want to make that clear. Uh, and they all, everyone understands this, that 
uh, I, I am, I'm a Christian and I believe the Bible to be true. And I believe the Bible is a guide for how to live our life. So when we do our Bible studies, I go through, I, I've trained at Dallas Theological Seminary. So we we're trained to rightly divide God's word and to preach God's word. And so I go through Bible study book by book, verse by verse, expositional kind of teaching. Don't skip anything. But I, I do recognize the, the audience that I have. And my goal is not to beat them overhead over some kind of social issue or try to tell them how to how to vote on anything. It's just to say, here's what the Bible says and let God God do the rest. And, and I, that's that's very, very important to me that they understand that and that I continue to do that. Yeah, because I imagine that there would be some out there who would be who would be cynical about the presence of a of a pastor or preacher on, on Capitol Hill or on Capitol Hills around the country, um, you know, because there, there are some who advocate for a, a sharp distinction between what happens in the religious realm and what happens in secular government. I mean, there are there are some who have a problem with the presence of of Christianity um, intermingling intermingling with. Uh, with uh, our, our public leaders and and our, our kind of our civic life, uh, what would you say to those who think that that the, the presence of a pastor um, in Austin or in Lansing, Michigan, or any other you know, state capital is is inappropriate? Yeah, I, I completely understand the the sentiment, and, and I have to be uh, real sensitive and careful with uh, all the legislators that are there. And uh, I'm, here's here's one distinction: I'm not uh, the official state chaplain uh, they don't pay me uh it's not something that uh you know there's state funds that that fund me i'm there essentially as a volunteer i have i am i'm through organization capital commission as i mentioned and i'm funded through that individuals that, that fund this but i'm not funded through the state so it's not fake state funds hmm. i'm not official where they tell me this is what uh you know everybody has to follow me and do what i i have to say i am uh, somebody who's there as a resource, just like we have a, a doctor for the day every day uh, at the Capitol. So if somebody's sick within the Capitol, they get to go there free, and the doctor volunteers and does the services there. No one asks them, you know, any particular thing. They just know that they're there to help. They're they're a resource. We have other resources that are like that, and so I'm a resource for them. Everything's volunteer. Uh, I let them know about the Bible studies that I do. We have the Senate Bible study. We have a couple of House member Bible studies. We have a Capital Community Bible study. But no one's forced to go to any of them. Uh, it's a resource. And if they'd like to come, love to have them. It's not political. They, anyone can come. And so I think that, that uh, helps with the division of church and state. It's just a, um, it's just a, a resource that they can take advantage of or not. It's up to them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what are some of the things that are happening um, at, at the, the state capitol right now that that uh, that you think en en engaged citizens, and particularly perhaps even people of faith, you know, who want to be able to to pray for their leaders and and support their their government leaders? Uh, what are some of the things that are happening at the capitol right now that are, are being debated or talked about that you get to be uh, a par get to be party to or over here that um, that that our listeners should be interested in or know about? Well, uh, you know, the, the, you can be praying for our leaders. There is a lot of stress, and it, I think everyone listening can, can probably put themselves in, in the shoes of these legislators. I know we look to them and we get mad at them and we think they're not making all the right decisions here and there, and we get frustrated and we think they're out for power grab and, and whatever. Most, most legislators I, I know there, uh, Democrat, Republican, left, right, 
uh, are there with a, a good intention, good-willed intentions, good heart to make good decisions. And right now, everyone can imagine that they have pressure because of COVID and all the things that are wrapped up with it, and that's become such a political issue. It is a political issue within the Capitol itself um, and as far as what that looks like for the state of Texas. What I mean by the Capitol itself, right now, uh, our session is, we're not in session right now. We'll begin in January. They have committees. They do a lot of meeting and planning and writing bills and things right now. But session starts in January. But come January, everyone's wondering, what is that going to look like? They've, they have tried to, you know, some are saying we need to close down the Capitol. Some say we shouldn't allow visitors. Some say we shouldn't have uh, we be limited only two or three people in the staff on your staff. Some are saying in the gallery, no, no visitors in the gallery. Some are saying they're going to take some of the people, the house members on the floor and put them up in the, the gallery. So they're socially distanced and put plexiglass up. And some are saying we shouldn't do that. And some are saying, I'm not going to require a mask in my office. Some are saying I'm going to require a mask. So just within the capital itself, not, not making decisions in, within the capital itself, it has become a, you know, a political issue. So that, along with uh, the racial things that are, that are going on within our country, we have uh, a legislative black caucus that has been meeting uh, fairly regularly and trying to uh, sort through what that looks like and, and legislation that is good and fair, uh, but and addressing some of the things that, uh, that are being brought up. Uh, quite a few of them uh, go to my Bible study, and they've allowed me to, you know, I, I go to their events with them and and I know they're they're struggling through this. We can be praying that they have wisdom and how to to uh, make those decisions. Those are two big ones that everyone sees right now. And then because of COVID and everything else, we got budget deals that are coming up. We got um, redistricting, which is a huge deal to everyone in the political world. And it comes every ten years, and so whoever's in charge kind of decides a lot of stuff and that plans the things for the future. And as Texas goes kind of goes the nation in a lot of ways. This is a this is kind of a, a big state that, that makes a big impact. And so they're feeling the stress and the pressure to be making decisions that could affect the nation and the world for a long time to come. So we can be praying for our leaders. Please be praying for our leaders. They need wisdom and direction in, in all these decisions. You're listening to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz. And with us on the program today is Scott Wall. He's a state minister to Texas from the Capitol Commission. We're talking about the work that he does and being a pastor to people who are working in Austin here in Texas and, and the work that other state ministers around the country are doing um, in, in state capitals uh, around the United States and how, how Scott and his, his cohorts get to serve as a, as a pastor, as a, a chaplain of sorts, to those who are making some big decisions on our behalf. If you like this conversation, if you want to hear more conversations like this or support this conversation, you can head to elmhouston.org to find out more about Engaging Truth and the nonprofit ministry that makes it all possible. There you can request uh, past episodes. You can make uh, suggestions about future guests and future episodes. You can also give a gift. So head to elmhouston.org for more information about this program and how to support it in various ways. Scott, it's an election year nationally, and it's a contentious one because, as you said, there, there's a lot of stuff going on, to say the very least. There's the global pandemic that we still find ourselves in the midst of. There is um, unrest at home um, in terms of uh, rioting and uh, uh, social unrest due to uh, what many believe is, is um, uh, 
uh, unjust violence against the black community by, by the police force in the United States. Uh, there, there are some big things going on right now. And it's, it's an election year where a lot of those things are, are kind of up for debate and part of the discussion in this national election year. Do you, do you find that when it's a national election, especially a contentious one like this one, that it, that it trickles down and affects the dynamic at the, at the state capitol as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it, uh, what, what happens at the national level uh, certainly impacts what they call down ballot, especially the people that are on the ballot come November uh, which not everyone is, but a big portion is this this time around, and so uh, that that matters a lot. There is because of that, um, you know, if you want to be elected, you you know, everyone um, criticizes, I guess, politicians for you know reading the polls, listening to the polls, etc. Uh, that that's kind of reality for them. That if you want to be elected, that you got to figure out what's going on, and so all these things that are going on nationally. They trickle down and they have to figure out how am I going to respond to this? What am I going to put out there publicly that, that will help me, you know, in the future or won't hurt me uh, in the future? And so it's, there's a lot of pressure. And right now within the, just from a political standpoint, again, I, I don't, I don't endorse any, any of the politicians or anything, but we have, uh, within the House right now, the House is a majority Republican over the Democrats in the Senate. It's, it's a majority. Republicans over the Democrats, and then at the leg- um, our elect- um, executive level, those are mostly Republicans as well. At this juncture, uh, I would say in January, um, the Democrats were hoping to flip the House to more majority. Uh, the Senate probably didn't think that they had had that. I mean, every, they would always hope, but they probably didn't think of hope. Um, but this time around, because of what's been going on, uh, the Democrats are, are feeling pretty pretty confident. They're feeling pretty good that they could flip the House. And so there's a there's a tension there because that what matters, who's in charge, matters a lot. Uh, who's going to be the Speaker of the House? Who's going to be you know making certain decisions uh, that will affect the the law? So it is it is big for these legislators, and it affects how they respond to what's going on around them. Uh, which we want them to just do what's best for their constituents and their community, and that's what they they say they want. But it's really hard if you if you're not there and you're not elected. So they got to figure out how to stay elected and do that at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Texas has been such a such a strong red state, so to speak, for several decades now. What would what would what would happen? What would it be like in Austin if if the, the if one of those houses flipped? If they actually flipped from from Republican majorities to to Democrat majorities would, would that would that be a big deal in Austin? It would be a, a, a big deal. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I would. This not meant to sound cynical. I'm not sure things would change tremendously, <laughs> but um, I, I do think, as I mentioned, if if the if a Democratic Party is in charge of drawing the redistricting lines. That will probably affect the presidential election in the future, and so it could affect uh, where things go for the future uh, for many, many years. I mean, it, that's that's a huge thing mm-hmm. that not a lot of people talk about is the redistricting. But kind of whoever has the pencil in hand, they kind of hang on to power for a bit. And and if they're whoever's if the Republicans are in charge, they kind of get the pencil, and they'll probably be able to hang on to the majority for a bit. If the Republicans get in charge, I mean, Democrats get in charge and they get the pencil, 
then it's it's probably going to be changing. As far as what the what the outlook looks like politically, um, like I said, I don't think the Senate will change drastically anytime soon. The House that could change, and that would be that would set up uh, a lot more what everyone calls gridlock, where you have the House one party and Senate the other party. Some people like that because they think that holds everybody in check, uh, but that also prevents a lot of things from from happening from going through, and so. It'll 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 slow some things down and be a lot more contention. I think if we have one house is uh, one party and one is the other. Hmm. As you've as you've ministered to to our legislators uh, at the state capitol, and you've gotten to to know them, and you've gotten to understand what some of their unique hopes and fears, what some of their unique sins and struggles are. How would you how would you articulate the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, um, specifically to someone who is a, a leader in state government, someone who's a, an elected official uh, with their what you now know about their unique struggles, their unique unique pains, their unique particular sins? What would you what would you say in in articulating the gospel to them? Uh, so that it would uniquely resonate with them. Uh, I guess to put it more succinctly, what's the gospel to a politician? Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, obviously the gospel message is the gospel message for every single person, but I think we do filter it of, because of our life experiences to try to, to understand it. I, I, probably the best way to explain that uh, is to explain uh, one time when I shared the gospel to a senator and his response to that. An example of the, the tightrope walker that goes out over Niagara Falls is a real story, a true story. The last guy's name's, last name is Blunden. You can look it up. He went out on tightrope. He came back. He had a big crowd. He goes out with a wheelbarrow, and he comes back. He fills a wheelbarrow full of rocks, goes out and comes back. And he says, how many you watch and think that I could put a man in there and go out there and come back? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, you could do that. And he said, all right, who's first to get in the wheelbarrow? And no one wanted to get in that wheelbarrow. And I, what I said to the senator, his name is Senator Uresti. He, he, he's allowed me to share this story. Um, what I asked Senator Uresti is, have you um, ever gotten in the wheelbarrow? You know, Jesus, it's easy to say, I believe that Jesus lived. He's a good guy and thing, but I've never given my life to him. I've never said, I trust you with my life. I trust that your way is better than my way that you died on the cross for me in my place to forgive me of my sins, to give me eternal life, and I want to do it your way. Have you ever done that? And he began to cry and said, no. I said, would you like to do that? He said, yes. Through tears, he reached across, held my hand, and he prayed. He prayed a prayer. He said, God, I know I've done things wrong. Everyone knows I've done things wrong. It's been in the news, and you know it, God. But I want to ask for forgiveness, and I trust that Jesus has given me forgiveness who died on the cross for me, and I want to get in that wheelbarrow. He texted me. After that, and he said, I think God's timing is impeccable. He said, I believe that God sent you to tell me who Jesus truly is and help me get in that wheelbarrow. Now I can't wait to tell my family and friends to help them get in that wheelbarrow with me. He's a senator who has put his trust in Jesus Christ, who now knows he has eternal life and knows that he'll go to heaven, has been forgiven. He says, I have more joy now than I've ever had in my life. There's a man who's now in prison, lost everything but he's recognized the joy that God has given him through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and life he gives. That's what I would tell a senator or anyone else. Scott, 
if, if people want to learn more about the Capital Commission or, or support the work that, that you and others do, uh, where can they find out more and what can they do? It's CapitalCommissionTexas.org. And remember, it's Capital with an O because it's the Capitol Building, everybody in the Capitol Building, C-A-P-I-T-O-L, CapitalCommissionTexas.org. Uh, and you can find, there's a video there with a bunch of legislators talking about the ministry, and so you can see that and see more about the ministry. Also, there's a place on there that if you'd like to donate to this ministry and help it continue on, uh, we would love to have you be a part of that. Or if you just want to connect with us and let us know that you're praying, man, we would, we would love that. Scott Wall from the Capitol Commission, thanks so much for being a guest on Engaging Truth. Thank you, Matt, so much. I appreciate you doing this and allowing us to do this, and God bless you. Thanks so much, and thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us next time, right here, same time, same place, on Engaging Truth. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.